Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking in a series called We Are. And what we've been doing is looking at some of the foundational or some of the baseline truths of who we are as individuals in the Lord, as well as who we are as a church. We started in the logical place and that it was looking at our identity in Christ, that we are heirs to the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king and that inspiration should be enough to set us in a trajectory to give our hearts and our lives and everything about us over uh, to the Lord. And his will. Last week, we looked at not an individual idea, but also a corporate idea. And we looked at this idea of we are the church. Uh, We're the called out church. We are the collection or the body of believers that are serving a common purpose under the banner and the love of Christ. We are the bride of Christ last week. And as a result, uh, just to let you know, last week alone, 41 people said yes and joined this church to make it their home. Uh, that was incredible. Incredible, incredible. This week, we're going to continue in that series and look at this idea that we are created for relationship. We're created to be in relationship. We are created to have a relationship with Christ. But we know there's so many nuances in this relationship. But one of the keys for all of us in this relationship are our words and how powerful our words are. So this morning in worship, we have a guest with us. Uh, We have a new friend of Burn Hickory, um, Ted and Nancy Lowe, his bride is with us today as well. And Ted's gonna come, he's gonna bring us a message this morning of what our words look like. Now they're gonna be back with us tonight uh, to celebrate marriage, to look at marriage, but Ted has traveled, has been a part of some of the great churches of America, has spent a ton of time looking at what marriage and relationship and family looks like. So would you guys do me a big favor and give us, uh, give Ted and Nancy Lowe a hand for being with us this morning. Well, it is great to be with you guys and I love it that there's high schoolers and middle schoolers on the front row. Churches flipped when I was growing up. We always sit in the back and got in a lot of trouble, but you guys are obviously love Jesus more than we did. So that's very, very cool. That is very cool. What an amazing church you guys have. This place is so awesome. I mean, you have the whole band and the, and the orchestra and you've got these great aquariums for the drummers. That's cool. Jesus playing guitar. I mean, it is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, pastor, was that too far? Oh, there you go. That was, he goes, yes, yes, that, that was the line and you just dance right on over it. Five sentences in. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I've been working with families for the last couple of decades. My wife and I have been married for 26 years. We have four kids ranging in ages from 11 to 21. So we're excited to be here because they're not. So that's uh, teasing. We love our kids. People say, oh, it goes by so fast. And we say, good. Um, no, the, my poor kids, they get sacrificed on the altar of comedy so much. But they kind of owe me. Uh, 
But uh, today we're gonna take a look at something. A lot of my examples will be in the context of marriage because that's where I spend the uh, majority of my time. But we're gonna talk about something that's important for every relationship, every relationship uh, that's important to you. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been married or you haven't been married, every one of us, this is one thing that matters to all of us. And this thing is words. Words are a great big deal. And I didn't realize how big of a deal words were until I got married. And I, we'd been married about a month and uh, we had one little uh, tiny little one bedroom, one bath apartment. I was getting ready in our one little mirror and Nancy walks in and she does that thing that she's been doing to marriage as long as, mirrors as long as I've known her where she'll back herself up to it and she'll spin her head around at 180 degrees and look at the back of herself in the mirror. I call it the owl. I've since learned that the owl is followed with a question. For me, this seems to be designed to get me killed. <laughs> and the question of the day was, do you think these pants look too tight? Well, I was young and stupid and did not listen to the still, small voice of Jesus when he whispered to me, lie. <laughs> and I said, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of was the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, kind of led to a, a lot of tears. In fact, she almost cried at one point. It was, it was bad. <laughs> Started to learn that day what I know for certain today after working with families for all these years and being married for, for a long time, is it only takes a few words to take our relationships in a direction we don't want it to go, right? Some of you experienced that on the way to church this morning, didn't you? You're coming to learn, talk about Jesus and you kind of turned into the devil, right? It just, just takes just a few words. I remember thinking, this is so delicate. Things like this, is that what you're wearing? No, these are my practice clothes what I'm wearing, you know? And, and th then uh, there's those times when we've done something wrong. We can just tell. You can tell maybe with your mom or, or your dad or your spouse, you've done something wrong and you finally a couple of days in go, I probably need to ask. You kind of wait in and go, hey, what's wrong? And what do they say? Oh, good, I'm with my people. <laughs> Nothing, which is always followed up with, I'm fine. I got a good. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, which we all know translates into something. You're an idiot. It only takes just a few words. And I said this next one once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many moms? Get it here. After all you do, and you become the atomic bomb of marriage. That is not fair. Accurate, but not fair. Right? Then there's this one. You always, you always come home late. You always forget to get your things. You always, you always, you always, and it's twin, you never. You never do what you say. You never help me around here. You never do your homework. You never, you never, you never. And just those few words in those few moments can be so damaging. What were you thinking? I was ADHD long before it was cool to be. Anybody? Yeah, my dad, this was a constant thing. What were you thinking? I wasn't, I wasn't thinking anything. If you have ADHD or you have children, that's what's happening, nothing. <laughs> They're not thinking, right? But I remember that would sting a little bit, right? And then there's this one, when you feel like you know something and you say it and your friend or your, somebody in your family goes, are you sure? I'm gonna Google that. 
Just a few little words for just us married people. This can be damaging. Not tonight. Not this week. Maybe next month. What you got going on leap year? Yeah, those are hurtful words. Hurtful, hurtful words. Here's what puts us all on the same page is this. Some of middle schoolers are going, gross. <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Hurt me. Here's what we know to be true. Is that whoever came up with this is, to use a biblical term, a moron. <laughs> we know this isn't true. We want it to be true. We tell it to our kids because we want them to protect themselves and it'll somehow give them armor. Like, don't let it hurt you. Don't let it hurt you. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words are never going to hurt you. It's just not true. It's just not true. We know for whatever reason that God has hardwired in us for words to matter. They just matter for whatever reason he did that. Words are a really big deal to God and he's wired us in such a way they're a really big deal to us. So here's the mystery, because we all know this already. Is here's the mystery. Why don't we say the things we don't want to say and not say the things we do? Let's just make this super simple. Why do we say the things we don't want to say and not say the things we do? I mean, how many times have we had those moments when we said that thing, and we're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Or you walk away from a conversation with somebody and you go, oh, I can't believe I said that. Or you make, oh, I can't believe I said that again. Right, why do, we, why do we do that? Why are we saying those things that we don't want to say and not saying the things that we do? Because if I were to say to you, do you want to say things to hurt people around you? You'd say no. And if I were to say to you, do you want to say things to them that's going to bring life to them, that's going to encourage them? You'd say yes. If I were to say to you at the end of your days when they're talking about you one day and we're all going to be talking about us one day when it is the end of our days, do we want him to say that one of the best things about them is they were really great with words. They knew when to hold back and not talk and they knew when to speak life. Isn't that what we want them to say? Isn't that what we want the people closest to us to know and to think about us and to feel from us? Then why is it that we find ourselves saying that thing we don't want to say? and not say the things that we do. What is going on? Well, here's the thing. I've been studying marriage and relationships for a really long time, and I landed on one verse. And I'll be honest with you. I've been talking about this for years because I hit this one verse. It's nine words. And I thought, this does it. It actually created this question. This verse is where this question comes from. And it not only shows you the problem, it shows you the solution in nine words. Think about God's economy on that. Because you can read all the communication books in the world. You can read mountains of content when it comes to communication. At the end of the day, I thought, wow, this verse does it. And it unravels this mystery. It comes from Proverbs 12, 18. Careless words stab like a sword. Now people will say, hey, we, our culture, we've just become too sensitive to words. There's truth to that. At the end of the day, we've always been sensitive to words. This is an ancient passage, you guys. This is really, really old. Obviously, God wired us in a way that when words are careless, it hurts, doesn't it? We know this to be true, don't we? And here's the thing. You think about the analogy of this. Careless words stab like a sword. A stabbing? That's an event. If any of us in this room, God forbid, were to be stabbed, we'd remember it for the rest of our lives, wouldn't we? Why? Because that's an event, and we remember events, especially hurtful ones. 
when my mom passed away uh, when I was a little kid, I was 10 years old, and a couple weeks after she had passed away, I was at a relative's house, and I'd made this big mess in his family room, and he walks in, and he sees it, and he's frustrated, he should have been, it was a mess. And I started to cry, and I run out of the house. And he chases after me, he grabs me, he spins me around, he goes, just because your mom died doesn't mean you can cry about every little thing. Now, I gotta tell you, I don't remember you know, what little league team I was on that year. I don't remember if we were on a vacation. I don't remember what I got for my birthday, but I remember everything about this day. And the reason I can is because of what he said at the end of it. Like, I remember the mess. I can see it. I remember him grabbing me. I can see it. But I remember that because what he said at the end. And what that said to me is if you're sad about this, that's not okay. You make it a big deal about this, that's not okay. That stabbing was a formative event that no one knew but the two of us. And here's what I know. That wasn't his intent. He wasn't trying to do that. He didn't wake up trying to do that. He had just lost his family member too. He was hurting too. He didn't mean to do that, but it happened. And it set. So here's what I know. What about you? When I tell this story, what's the story that just pops in your head? What's your version of this? What's your version of this? Because I've been doing this message for a while, and I'm never surprised anymore when I have people, you know, I've had a lady 75, 80 years old tell me this story about when she was a little girl, and it was so vivid to her, like it happened yesterday. What's that story for you? You feel this, and you remember that day. It was an event for you, wasn't it? You remember that. Maybe it was something a coach said about your athletic ability or lack thereof. Maybe it's something a group of kids said when you're walking down the hall. Because I can tell all you students right now to, to think going, I cannot imagine having to live in the verbal world that you have to live in. The things that you have to hear, the things that people say to you, and I, it aches. I have teenagers myself and I ache for you that you have to go for that. You have to go with that. So I love that you're here in the church and you can lean into people that are going to speak something different to you. But there are events that we remember and they hurt. And so if you're going, should I let this hurt? Should this have hurt so much? Yes, because careless words stab like a sword. But here's the great news. <laughs> is, well, let me give you the bad, a little bit more bad news first is this. What do people say or what do we say after someone? I'm, I didn't mean it. I was just joking. I was just kidding. I was just tired. I was just frustrated. It was just the end of a long day. Because in their defense, what we're thinking is we want to go, no, 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 don't make a big deal about it. You're making this into a big deal. I didn't mean it's a big deal. It just came out. But it, this never fixes anything, does it? No, because the damage, <clears throat> the damage is there. Great news. There's a comma here instead of a period. Because here's the thing. Like if you just got here this morning, you went, okay. I'm going to walk out here with the knowledge that the God of the universe has whispered to me that careless words stab like a sword, I'm going to be more careful. That'd be enough. The great thing is there's hope. There's hope in this comma. But wise words lead to healing. Think about God's economy on this for a minute. The very thing that we have used or have been used on us to hurt us, words, is the very thing that God wants to use to heal those around us and us, words. It is God's economy. If you cut your hand, it heals back. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. But, and here's, here's when it hit me. 
Here's why it hit me that we are not saying the things that we should. A stabbing is an event. Healing is a process. This is a process. It's slow. So when people say the right things to you or the opposite things to you, and you hear that, it doesn't fix it automatically, right? I think about students, I think about you guys, and I'm thinking about someone says something hurtful to you at school and your best friends come back and they, and they say what? They say, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. It doesn't fix it right then, but boy, it feels good, doesn't it? And it takes a while, and that's why you surround yourself, and we surround ourselves with people who are for you, that are not hurting you, that are part of the process of you knowing that you have value. This is a, healing is a process, but here's the thing. We're not a culture that's super excited about process. We like things instantly, don't we? We're the generation that created upgrades, right? Things used to break, and then you got a new one. Now you upgrade, because we want things quick. We want them fast. I remember telling my oldest son, he was asking like what a record was. And I, you know, when I started explaining it to him, I realized really quickly, I have no idea how it works, but I'm a parent. So I made something up. You know, you, you put the thing on there, the plastic thing, and it spins it around and there's a needle on there and it, it spins around and out comes Def Leppard. <laughs> Google it. Out comes Def Leppard, and he, he had two questions. One, why can't the leopard hear? And two, <laughs> and, and, and two, so you had to go to the store and buy that? Nobody, music's always dropped from the sky. But we're not used to that in this culture. We like things to go quick. We, like the pro- we want the process to be quick. And here's the thing. Here was the thing that made so much sense. The reason we stop saying this is when we say this to our friends, we say this to our spouse, we say this to our kids, when we say the right thing, we don't get a big response. We say the wrong thing, we get a big old response, right? We say the right thing, we don't get a whole lot of feedback. My wife told me I was the first person to ever tell her she's beautiful. And I've told her this for 25 years, so beautiful, you're so beautiful. And you know what she does? She goes, thank you. No, you're so beautiful, thank you. And one day I said to her, hey, it's really important that you know how beautiful you are. Do I need to save it up? Am I saying it too much? And she goes, oh, no, I love it. I'm like, could you lurch your face? <laughs> Why? Because it's a process. It wasn't some big thing when I said it once. And she goes, oh, I'm totally healed from all that. No, it doesn't work like that. But we tend to because their response isn't big. And it doesn't seem to fix anything. We go, we stop. And guys, I gotta tell you, for the people in our lives, we're the worst at giving them a nudge to know that what you just said meant a lot to me. Guys, we look, if somebody can say something means the world to us, and we go, they don't even get a full Pez. (laughs) Right? We don't give them anything. So they go, oh, he doesn't care. Words aren't a big deal to him. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Male, female, words matter. Words just matter so much. So we have to be slow. And this process thing called words of how we talk to each other, we gotta learn how to slow this thing down. The same part of your brain, check this out. They've done neuroscience on this and I think it's fascinating. The same part of your brain that's triggered If you were to go and get in your car and there was a bear driving, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala that's triggered. If something startles you or you put your hand on a stove, you don't go, okay, this hurts. Like what I'm assuming to be the fourth level of Hades. 
I'm going to pull my hand from it because this is hurting. What do you do? The same area of the brain that makes you jerk your hand back like that, it's the same area of the brain that gets lit up when someone triggers you. You know what else happens? Your frontal lobe, which is where all your logic and reasoning is, goes out to lunch. When you say, I just responded in a poor way, I don't know what I was thinking. Turns out you weren't. You see how this works? It's why, that's what's happening. And I just think, how brilliant is it that this neuroscience is coming out, which is brilliant, and God's given us a way to navigate it despite it. So if you go, why do I say that? That's the neurological reason of why, and there's a better way. And the better way is we have learned, got to learn how to be slow. We got to learn how to slow this thing down. Every radio station in the country has a thing called a seven second delay. Have your parents explain what a radio is. Um, <laughs> seven second delay that keeps it, things that are offensive are going on the airwaves. I wish I could install one of those. Don't you wish you had seven second margin of error when you said something you go, oh, I can take back the last seven seconds. Wouldn't that be great if we could install one of those? So we have to learn how to be slow. We got to learn how to slow this thing down. So my question is, when do you tend to not be pause enough with your words? Is there a certain time of day? Is there, you know, counselors say it's during times of halt. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. When is this time for you? Where you tend to, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or you find yourself driving away going, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. For me, I learned years ago, it's in the morning. I am married to a morning person. Pray for me. The alarm goes off at 5.45 and she's like an electric chihuahua. And she's off doing her thing. I need a full hour just to be mad I'm alive, you know? And I have just learned, don't talk. Just don't say any words because it doesn't go. And I you know, send the kids off to school and I finally wake up and I'd be like, oh, how did that happen? When is this time for you? When is it? Couples, they say the number one time married couples are fighting is when they reconnect at the end of the day. Because I believe they're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. <laughs> right? When is, it, when is it for you? And start to identify that, that this is where I need to be slow. Some of you are going, this is really good news. If when I get triggered, I get slow, that is great. Because when I get mad, I don't talk for weeks. I close down like a Kmart. <laughs> That's not kind or compassionate. Uh, we have to be slow, but we can't be silent. You can't be silent. This closing down stonewall, and that's, where, that's communicating something. And I'm all about people stepping away, letting their frontal lobe come back, taking a breath, asking God where he wants to be in this thing. But you've got to eventually got to come back. And we can't be silent. So many people say, oh, I'm just not good with words, and I'll do all the other things I'll provide for the family, but I, I, this words thing's really, really complicated for me, and I don't know how to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Man, I got to tell you, there, I talk to men 35, 45, 65, 70 years old who would give anything to have heard or still hear from their dads. I don't know what it is with dads. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. We crave that. We want that. We can't be silent with the good stuff. And this is the fun stuff, right? The encouraging stuff, even though you don't get a big response, this should be the easy stuff. This is where we get crazy with post-it notes all over the house where you just, you just write down and encourage each other. And if you go, I can't, it's hard for me eye to eye with somebody to encourage them, great. Put it on a post-it note. Put it on an index card. Send it in a text. Just let them know. 
just let them know we can't be silent. And we've got to be smart. Here's what this is not. This isn't flattery. The same book of the Bible that says this verse also says that flattery is evil. And we know it, it is. You know when somebody's just buttering you up, it feels manipulative. They're wanting something. That's not this. It says wise words lead to healing. And it's speaking specifically to where someone's hurt. Wise words lead to healing. The right words, speaking at the right thing about the right pain. Where are the people around you wounded? Where are they wounded? Where were they hurt? What's that topic that every time it gets brought up, they overreact? What is, what is that topic for them? Is it, is it finances? Is it in-laws? Is it, is it money? Is it school? Is it parenting? What is that for you? That when somebody brings it up, man, you just have a, a strong response. Or the person you're, in your life that's got this response, you do it. Because if you don't know where they're wounded, one, you can ask them. Or I'm going to give you a trick to show you exactly where they're wounded. When someone's reaction doesn't match the situation, it reveals where they are wounded. When someone's reaction does not match the situation, it reveals where they're wounded. But here's what we do. When somebody we love overreacts about whatever, whatever the topic may be, let's say money. We know they're overreacting. What we tend to do is feel kind of, you know, satisfied by that to go, hey, sometimes I wonder if this is my fault, but this is their fault. They're acting ridiculous. This is, look, you're so overreacting and it kind of feels good because we kind of have this relational clarity that, all right, this is awesome. They're wrong and I'm right. But this, if we can be smart, this is where they're telling you that they're hurt. Do you know where people will do this really well? You watch people when they have a family member who's physically hurt. When we've got friends who the husband got cancer and when you talk to the wife, she's like a doctor. She knows, she knows everything. And you know why? Because she knows if she can figure this out and she can let him know that she's figuring this out, she can advocate for him. She can cheer him on and he will not feel alone. This is where the relational gold is. Where's that area where they overreact and how can you say, you know what? I, don't, I might not get this, but I get you. I might not get this, but I love you, and that's where I'm going to pour into. Students, if your mom and dad have certain issues, you feel like they're overreacting, probably where they're wounded. Parents, if you've got teenagers, they're overreacting, that's probably where they're wounded. If you've got parents, somebody at work, you, this is where they're wounded. This is where they need you to take a breath. This is where they need you to be smart and this is where they need you to pause and this is where they need your encouragement. This is where it's needed. And I think about the body of Christ and I'm thinking about what relationships and families can do for each other and I think, what could be better than healing each other? And here's the thing, even from the wounds we've inflicted, because if you live with somebody for more than 24 hours, you're probably gonna inflict some wounds there, right? Here's the brilliance of this. No, if you're sitting here and you're feeling the guilty of something you said, no one has greater power to heal this than you. Nobody has greater power to heal this than you. Now, here's the great thing. For those of you who think words are complicated, here's, here's a couple things that I want you to know that some of us just need to go back to basics. Please and thank you, okay? I want to make this, put the cookies on a bottom shelf here. Please and thank you. When... 
couples or families, when we're mad at our family members, or we're mad at somebody at work or whatever, we can get really quiet, can't we? A little curt, you know, our answers are a little bit shorter. We can even forget the basics like being kind. Can you please pass me that, right? People can get so comfortable with saying whatever they wanna say. And we know better at work, right? Because if we're not controlled with our words, if we're not smart with our words, slow with our words, if we don't say the things we need to say, it's called a job opening. <laughs> but at home, we're so much more hangs in the balance because here's the thing with our jobs. We're all gonna be irrelevant at work one day. Newer, faster, younger is gonna come in and take us right on out. At home, you're never irrelevant. You're never irrelevant. We need to take that with, this is our thing. This is our place. We need to create home to be the place where you're safe. And the words is so much a part of that. Catch each other doing something great. Catch the people you love doing something great and just thanking them. Students, I'm gonna tell you, to people, you know, a thing I love about students is they believe big things and they go after big things and they wanna change the world. I mean, I feel like I live with four activists at my house. I'm terrified of my kids because they are, they, you know what, they are gonna change the world or die trying, right? And I'm telling you, but one of the greatest ministries that you can have right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to your parents. They are craving this, Catch them doing something right. It's a good, great way to manipulate them too, by the way. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Catch them doing something right. Who is that person that just needs to hear this from you? Catch them doing something right. Thank them for that. If you're, if you're in stress right now in your relationship, find something they're doing great and thank them for this. Hey, I know we're not great, doing great, but thank you for going to work every day. I, I know we're struggling, but thank you for helping to work this out, that you're still in this, trying to figure this out. Thank you for what you do with the kids. Thank you for what you do here and there. Thank you. Catch them doing right. These little words, they just matter. People talk, oh, relationships are so complicated. No, they're not easy, but they're not complicated. Now, dads and husbands, you're beautiful. Dads and husbands, you're not beautiful. <laughs> well, you are, but um, need to hear this. So they don't go somewhere, it's gonna get them hurt doing it. If we got daughters who say, you're beautiful. I remember my daughter looked at me one time, she's about seven or eight, she goes, I know, I'm beautiful. <laughs> you know, let's, let's say that. And here's the thing, wives, your husband wants to know it just as much, he just wants to hear it in a different way. You were hot. And here's the great thing with men, we don't have to be hot, but if you tell us we're hot, we'll believe you. <laughs> it's real easy. Wives, I got one more little thing that's just specific for you, okay? I want men, it studies show, are always concerned about providing. Doesn't matter what the economy's doing, doesn't matter what the job's doing, doesn't matter placement, they're always got this low to high grade anxiety of not being able to provide, that something's gonna happen. So here's what I want you to do. Wives, put your hands like this, okay? Five times this week, I want you to come up behind your husband and I want you to go, Bite! you got this. And I mean, light him up, light him up. And I want one of them, to be in the parking lot on the way out to the car. It could be a great evangelistic tool. People are driving by going, hey, I'm going to that church. I'm changing churches. I know that's not what you want, Pastor. Right, but women ask me all the time, and I'm a stereotype for just a minute, but I do get this a lot. I just wish I knew what he was thinking. He's not. 
Think of him as a Labrador. You're such a good boy. Yes, you're such a good boy. You want a treat? We're easy. But I know, ladies, we don't give you anything back to let you know what you're saying is matter. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it just takes a few words to make a huge difference for both men and women. Now, how many of you have married to or there's a dreamer at your house? They're always coming up with crazy ideas. Hey, let's turn the house into a convertible. <laughs> Get these in your house. Here's all you say. Wow. Stop. Don't say, oh, the hydraulics of that would be impossible. You need to say, wow, not how. Here's the thing with us creative types. Our ideas, they're like squirrels. They jump from branch to branch. We don't ever implement anything. When you get all worked up, you just go, wow. Some of you, this was worth coming. I can promise you, right? Well, here's probably two of the most powerful words relationally. I'm sorry. Mm. Parents, we know we're going to mess up. Spouses, we're going to mess up. Kids, we're going to mess up. Just coming in, just going, I'm sorry. And we've had to apologize to our kids so much. But you know what? I feel like they're good apologies. They do good apologies well. We've messed up so many things, but I will say that I feel like we've become a family of that, just knowing the power of that. And just let it be, period. Don't, I was just saying, I was just kidding. No, no, I'm sorry I hurt you. Boom. Scene. Now, if you want to get, you know, extra credit, you were right, and I was wrong. Some of you are going, Pastor, you've gone too far. <laughs> That's okay. You can stop with, I'm sorry. Because here's the thing. Sometimes you're right, and they're wrong, and you still need to say you're sorry. Because regardless of who's right and wrong, what was right or wrong were your words and how you chose to use them. That we just need to say, I'm sorry. I'm so, so much power there. Where's my parents in here? Okay. How many of you have it? Children, adult children who are parents? How many of you have parents? They need to hear this. You're a great mom. You're a great dad. Because the two-year-old's not telling her. What's the two-year-old telling her? I got poopy. <laughs> That's how that works. I am telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you. It, it's so powerful to hear this, to hear that you're a great mom and you're, you're a great dad. It just matters. And then... I'm proud of you. See? That's, that's a baby's version of amen. Amen. Right? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Who in your world needs to hear this? If you've got authority at all over anybody, even this much, tell them you're proud of them. I'm proud of you. And I just, I meet so many people would give anything again to hear from their dad, from their friend. I'm just so proud of you. And you could start with, I don't know if I tell you this enough, but I'm proud of you. And here's the thing, once again, let's remember, this, this takes some vulnerability and someone, we're gonna say it and we're not gonna get a full Pez. We're not gonna, may not get anything, but I promise you, these words matter. Who's that person that needs to hear that from you? Is this one, I'm glad you're home. Some of you have been working more from home and you're not glad they're home. Again, the number one time couples are fighting is when they reconnect at the end of the day. What if you made it great? All you married couples, here's a little, a little tidbit. This week, instead of fighting when you get home, the, for the first 30 seconds, I want you to make out. 
unless these people are watching. And then I want you to make out for 60 seconds. That's the way they'll move out, is that you gross them out. That's how that works. What if you made that part great? What if you say, statistically, this is when couples are fighting. We're gonna change that. This is all about decision. Here's the great thing, we're all big people. We get to make choices. I think sometimes relationally, we feel like we don't get to make a choice. We get to make a choice when we pause, when we go slow, when we're smart, when we don't go silent, we get to make choices that make all the difference in the world. I love you. These are huge words, huge words. And not just that thing you do when you get off the phone. Okay, all right, I'll talk to you later, bye, love you. No, no, like this thing, I love you. I love you. Have I told you lately that I love you so much? Hear it, receive it. And if somebody in this room, if as a result of this little message, says something to you that matters to them, receive it. Receive it, because it's like relationally ice skating for them. They're trying, receive it, give them, a, give them a response. But let them know they love you. When our kids were little, one of the things we would say to them, we trained them kind of like seals to say, when do I love you? And we got them to say all the time. So I'll say it to you, when do I love you? All the time. So when they're little, they'd say all the time. And now that they're bigger, they, they can, they'll say things like, when you want to, which hurts a little. <laughs> but it always comes back to, it recalibrates us and it recalibrates them, that we love them all the time. So at the end of the day, the people around us need to know, even when we don't agree, even when we don't understand about things that we're not gonna understand about them ever, you're not gonna resolve, that you love them all the time. Now here, here's what I know, and I'll close with this. I know for some of you, this pushes some buttons there. For some of you, you, you push the button of, I remember when they said that and it hurts and you brought it up, thanks pastor, the brave just won and now you brave me way down. I, I, I know that. And then I know there's some of you are sitting here and there's a tremendous amount of guilt. Or you feel like, oh, I'm not slow, and oh, I've been so, ah. Oh. And you have been tired, and it's legitimate, and you have all these things that are legitimate, but you're, you're, you're feeling that. Let me tell you something great. The same relative that said to me, just because your mom died, doesn't mean you cry about every little thing. I gave this message in front of him, and he didn't even know it was him. Can I tell you something better? He started walking with Jesus, and it changed him. Do you know who told me that they were proud of me? Him. Do you know who says, I am so proud of you for what you guys are doing? Him. He passed away this over the last year. And I had so many of his friends come up and say to me, he took credit for, for raising you. If you preach three times, I get emotional, Pastor. This is on you. Uh, but would come up to me and go, he was so proud of you. And his words that lingered, his words that lingered to people that came to me was healing for my soul like nobody else. So if you've been the one that's inflicted the pain, no one's got greater power to heal it than you, and it is never, ever too late. I wouldn't take anything in the world for his words that he's 
given me. And it just makes the hurt, hurtful ones, it just makes it that mean even more that he was able to connect with Jesus and come full circle. So here's what I pray for you. I don't want you walking out here feel guilty. Here's what God says to us. He says, my mercies are new every single morning. I love dry erase boards. I'm a creative, so I love a dry erase board. My favorite thing. Every day when you wake up, your dry erase board is clean. We get to start over. That's the way he sees us. And we get to choose something different. We get to say, okay, I'm gonna be slow, but I'm not gonna be silent and I'm gonna be smart. I promise you, I promise you, you apply this passage and it will matter to your relationships. I promise. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for the leadership, the staff, the volunteers, the men and women that were here super early this morning. Um, the men and women who've maybe come here for the first time. Uh, people meeting in groups. Thank you for these students. I love that. I love that. And God, I pray for their hearts. They have been wounded. They live in a world that wounds them, that hurts them. God, I just pray, just especially for them, that they would hear your word, that you love them all the time. And that this church is here for them, and they're going to be okay. And what you say about them is that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. None of us are broken. None of us are junk. Not a student, not a mom, not a dad, not a husband, not a wife, not a brother, not a sister, not a grandma, grandpa. None of us are broken. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in your words to us. Mm, you love us. You love us all the time. It was to cling to that word and let that be the basis of our words. Pray we walk out of lighter, feel encouraged, empowered, and excited that we can choose to love with our words. And I pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, some mornings are just a huge list of biblical truth, but some mornings it's God taking one message and just saying, This matters. So today, here's the invitation today. Uh, number one, is there forgiveness needed today. So somebody that's spoken into your life and your heart and it's really shaped you because you have never allowed God uh, to bring that forgiveness that you need to give. Or maybe today you need to just say, hey Lord, this, man, this is something I struggle with today. Would you put me on a path to shape my words through your spirit and not through my flesh? I mean, Jesus was really clear when he says, our words are really just a reflection of our heart. So during just the next minute or two of worship, man, what business do you just need to do with the Lord in the stillness of this moment? Maybe it's, Lord, I'm sorry, man, I have not allowed my words to represent you. Or maybe it's, hey, Lord, I'm, man, I'm forgiving them of this. 
Or maybe today yours is different. Maybe today there's something in your life that this week has pointed you towards needing to give your life to the Lord. Because ultimately that's the first word that can shape you. So during this time of invitation, I'll invite you if you need to make a decision to give your life to Christ, or maybe you just want somebody to pray over you or with you. And I'll be over here in the front. There are some other uh, counselors off to the side over here in the next steps room. I just want to encourage you today to get some space and get a moment and just say, Lord, what is this in my life? Lord, walk with me. Walk with every person in this room these next couple of minutes, Jesus. And allow us to see how much our words really do matter. It's in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.